0: Mason is back in town. Mason? Mason.
1: When a homegrown hero turned country music star returns to Pine Valley... Mason Wyatt In the flesh, Mr. Hager. Yep. It's him, all right.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: ...and tries to rekindle an old flame...
0: Sat down to dinner and everything. He slept in our barn last night. <laughs> ...sparks
1: will fly. Hey, we Bell. That went about how I thought it would.
0: how he look? I didn't notice. Oh, please. I don't believe that any longer. It took you to say it.
1: Any chance she hates me any less after all these years?
0: Mm. Hey, Mason? That over there? That's the barn. That's where all the animals sleep.
1: But for Shelby Haygood... Your head must be
0: a mess. It already was. Mason limping back into town is the last thing I need. She's got
1: bigger problems to tend to. Such beautiful property. I'd like to make an offer.
0: You want to be a farmer, do you? (laughs) you?
1: I just want the land.
0: It's not for sale. Not yet. Where is everyone?
1: The bank called in my line yesterday.
0: I just left the Miller farm. Is it true that y'all turned in their note? What about us?
1: If you can't bring your account current, we'll have to begin foreclosure proceedings. Will a community band together?
0: We have always preserved our way of life, a simple life.
1: To help a family in need.
0: This place, it means everything to me, and you know that, and you're still choosing to leave. I'll be back. You have said that to me before.
1: And will the power of forgiveness. After all these years, the hate that you feel for that fella, what has this hate gotten you? Change a hardened heart.
0: Yeah, you so got it. What? That little sparkle in your eye every time you look at him.
1: To make way for true love.
0: I can do this on my own, Mason. I don't need you.
1: Yeah, I know. I need you. IMSP Films invites you on a journey of hope. As far as I know, a child was born in that manger. Family. It's will be some Christmas for sure. And the triumph of the Christmas spirit. There's always hope. Can always come home. Sarah Lancaster, Barry Corbin, Alan Powell, and Jill Wagner. This holiday season, come and celebrate Christmas in the Smokies. Everything's gonna be alright.
2: Welcome home, welcome down, welcome down the hatch, down up the mountain, I don't know what they say in the Smokies, but we're here today to discuss the one and only Christmas in the Smokies. And once again, I can't climb a mountain myself. I am joined by a very special guest star, somebody who I'm so excited to have here because this is someone who I have talked to for years now and I have respected her work and she's a great writer and yet we have never had a conversation before and it is, gives me great joy to welcome, I'm going to call you Carol and then you can tell the people how they find you and everything else. So hello, Carol.
3: Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be discussing Christmas in the Smokies with you.
2: It's an exciting time to be alive, isn't it?
3: It is.
2: Uh, now, Carol, quickly tell the people at home uh, what you do and what they should be reading that you do.
3: Okay. Um, my name is Carol Borden. I am the publisher and the comics writer for a website called The Cultural Gutter. We focus on um, thoughtful and clear writing about disreputable art. And I also occasionally have pieces at websites like Mezzanote and Teleport City. And, oh, I have two stories out in an anthology from Fox Spirit's books called Fruit Genre Warriors.
2: Nice. Very nice.
3: So places you can find me.
2: Excellent. And we will put all of these in the show notes. Um, but I guess the central location is Cultural Gutter, right? Yes. Yes. And you guys just yes. did a fundraiser, and I got my tote bag, and I love it. And oh, Yes, yeah, so and now I get to show off to the world what <laughs> I'm reading. Uh, and so today, we are talking about Christmas of the Smokies, which is from 2015. So at this point, this is like, it might as well be in black and white, right? It's so old in in the, yeah. you know, relation of these movies when they pump them out so quickly. I do not know what network this was made for. It is not a Hallmark movie. Uh, I think it's one of, like, the random country Christian stations or random DVD labels, so it shows up places. Most importantly, it showed up for us on Netflix, where it's been for, like, three years, I think.
3: Yeah. You know, I had no idea. It has such a weird tone that you're saying... Yeah, well, and, I mean, I'm worried I'm getting ahead of myself, so you can just stop me if I am, but when you talk about it being possibly, like, a vaguely Christian station, it, it uh, that works for me because it feels like there are some Christian parts that are just shoehorned into the movie that I feel mm-hmm. like they stuck sell it somewhere.
2: Yeah, I mean, the fact that it is set in the Smokies, and it's actually Georgia, not Tennessee, it's North Georgia, I believe. We- uh, so, okay, fine, they're Southern, not, not to, like, I don't know put a label on southerners but southerners are generally more christian than you know us damn yankees and uh michiganians up north so yeah. it kind of makes sense that okay there's going to be a little more christianity but this movie goes pretty hardcore but you're right it's not um what's the word organic at all it's just randomly they're like oh let's make sure we pray let's make sure we have a prayer scene
3: well, and it doesn't feel to me. I mean, I don't know if the people were Christian, but it doesn't feel like your usual evangelical Christian romance movie to me.
2: Now, how, it, are you a big fan of the evangelical Christian romance genre?
3: Um, no, I've seen some. I've seen several Rapture movies, mm-hmm. and. I have um, my master's degree is in the anthropology of religion.
2: (laughs) Nice, nice. (laughs) Yeah. So you've read Left Uh, Behind from 1 to 17, right? Or however many of those books there were? And
3: the people who considered the Left Behind folk satanic.
2: Ooh, I didn't realize that was a thing. Yeah, yeah. Damn.
3: They were misleading people and, and getting them all involved with the Antichrist instead of being patient and waiting for god
2: interesting huh
3: who knew but, it, but there, i feel like their theology is kind of shaky and horned in yeah it, and i
2: would say one thing this movie could have used more of antichrists yes
3: right it, there's a lot of things it could have used more of and earlier i was thinking it really needs like the businessman who's going to save the farm but only if she marries him Ooh. And, oh
2: man that would have been so good
3: what if he was also the Antichrist?
2: Ah, oh, damn it. How hard is it to edit a movie that already exists without being a filmmaker? Like, can we do that?
3: We could find someone who could do I it for us. Then... Yeah,
2: because you, you could recut exactly this movie it. and it could be awesome. Yep. So let's go into a little bit Let's let's give everybody a rundown of what this movie is about So uh, again This is from the it, it is still a romance It is still everything you expect in a Christmas movie But it is very specifically A little more Christian and very Southern So our main character Is named Shelby And mm-hmm. Shelby is a young How old do you think Shelby is?
3: I'd say she's like in her early 30s But she could be anywhere from 25 to 35 I think True,
2: yeah Uh, So she's living in the same, like, on the, her parents own a farm that I guess all they do is raise, grow berries and make pies and jelly, right?
3: Yeah, I I got the impression that her parents used to do more work on the farm, Mm -hmm. and now she does all the the hole digging, and they do (laughs) all the whittling. Didn't it seem like
2: all there was to do on this farm was hole digging?
3: Yeah, and, and whittling. Yes. And de- you're right. decorating jam jars.
2: J- jam jars and putting up the advent calendar, which is very important.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And she handles that now because I think her, her parents are getting older and yes. a lot of that stuff is harder for them.
2: It makes sense. So mm-hmm. uh, the farm, the Haygood farm, is going under, right? They owe all of this back money on rent and they've already taken out a second mortgage and the farm they is in danger.
3: Three. They have three mortgages.
2: Yeah. They're really bad business people.
3: And they put the fact that they have three mortgages on sticky notes on their
2: fridge.
3: <laughs> Note to self, get them.
2: out of debt. Yeah, that's yeah. how I do it. I think that's how most people do it, right? <laughs> so the farm is suffering. And meanwhile, on the personal life front, uh, so Shelby, I guess, has just like been really unhappy for the last 10, 15 years of her life. Because when she was 17, her high school boyfriend... Uh, left her, he moved out of town, he became a famous country music singer, and now he's back. And please tell everybody why he came back home, because this is easily the highlight of the movie.
3: Uh, he. My understanding is he came back specifically to get back with her?
2: But I think there was an instigating factor for why he decided to... Leave the country music scene where he was becoming a big oh, hit.
3: Oh God, I'm so sorry. I got I got ahead of myself <laughs> way ahead. He was on a show called Dancing Country.
2: Dancing Country.
3: And he was supposed to dance with a woman, and he he apparently danced horribly, and the shame <laughs> drove him off the country music scene and back into whatever town Tennessee they're in.
2: Yeah, it was sort of like a Dancing with the Stars only only country music singers. And mm-hmm. this, this is one of those, like, the cheaper the movie, the more fun it is. And this movie could not have been made for a lot of money. And we see <laughs> yes. this because there are so many scenes that should be these really big grand scenes. And they just either don't happen or they don't show them to us. Or in this case, they just cut them really weird. So yeah. we see him on this show and mm-hmm. no are have you watched Dancing with the Stars have you ever watched it
3: not in a long, long time.
2: So I only yeah. I've, I never watched it before. I watched it this past year because because it was um Tanya, it was all like Olympic Olympians, so it was Tanya Harding, um, oh. uh, Adam Rapon and Mariah Nagasu. So I watched that version. <laughs> and it's exactly like the same thing where basically before they dance, they do like a montage showing the training and all the practice, and then they, they do the dance and so they do that here. but basically like he's just kind of an asshole about it, right?
3: Yeah, it looks like he didn't show up or or practice or anything, and he just starts doing, like, the stanky leg and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, like, the whole point of these Dancing with the Stars kind of shows is that, like, the celebrity really does work and learn how to dance. And, like, they have a partner mm-hmm. who's a professional dancer who teaches them. And, like, we just see him being an asshole and not even trying. And so then he's mm-hmm. just, like, left to hang, and he just does, like – you know, the Cabbage Patch and just every, like, quick dance yeah. you can do. And apparently it is such a national embarrassment that he has to come back to the Haygood Town. I don't even know the town name. Uh, and, like, you know, kind of um, with his tail between his legs and kind of hide out until that blows over.
3: Yeah, except everybody in town remembers. So they all of course like, they tell they him do. things like he dances as badly as a one-legged goat and yes, stuff like that.
2: Yes. So now you have, so he's back and clearly he still has feelings for her. Of course, she still has feelings for him because as we know from these movies, there is no love that is greater or truer than the person you were in love with um, when you were in high school, right?
3: Yep. And it totally justifies any disproportionate grudge you have when you're 32, 16 years later and are just... Mean as hell to them all the time. Mm
2: -hmm. Yes, making them sleep in a barn in (laughs) freezing weather, not cold weather. uh, Mm -hmm. Very confusing climate um, in this movie as
3: well. Yes. I'm I'm always kind of fascinated by movies that are clearly not shot either in cold climates (laughs) or cold times of the year. And then people try to act like they're cold, but they don't really act like they're cold at all.
2: <laughs> and it, with this movie like nobody even acts like they are but occasionally the dialogue will say thing like he's going to freeze to death and you're like no but he's wearing a t-shirt I I don't I don't yeah. think it works that way.
3: Yeah, or they'll tell you like it's 30 degrees and she'll be walking around in bare legs and everybody else will be wearing Oh yes.
2: Like, yep. Down coats. Yes, yes, that is absolutely she a scene again. She dresses up to go to the bank and she is not wearing a lick of tights mm-hmm. on her on her dress. Doesn't make sense. She's-
3: she have a festive chunky scarf on, though.
2: Oh, that, that's true. That's true. That does, um, uh, I think, balance it when you do that.
3: It conserves your head heat.
2: <laughs> yes, which is, isn't that what they say? Like, oh, you lose all your heat in your head. That's why you have to wear a hat in winter. Or that's what like most mothers say. I think to get their kids to wear hats. I don't mm-hmm. think it's true. Uh, So she has to save the farm Um, Meanwhile there is An evil land developer who wants to buy up The land and turn it into a Tourism something And what what other thing I don't know if you felt this way Shelby is not It's like it's one thing if okay she cares About her farm she cares about her parents but no She really just doesn't want to lose her home Right like she goes to a town Meeting to protest this Guy um, developing Land for tourists which in truth, when you build a tourist attraction in a town, that's really good for the town, right? You're bringing in a lot of money. Now you have customers to go buy your pies and all of that. whoops. Um,
3: She's, and you don't have to make your aging parents try to work the land anymore. Yeah,
2: right? Like, it would actually make sense for, like, no, you know what, Mom? Why don't you work the front desk at this new hotel? <laughs> Dad, you work, like, in the kitchen or as a handyman. Uh, I'll, you know, have her be the concierge or whatever it is. And, like, they have a much easier life and probably better benefits. But, yeah. you know, yeah. we're, we're <laughs> thinking like damn Yankees and not like good down-home folk.
3: And it's also confusing to me because it wasn't clear to me that Mr. Baxter, the developer, was in any way responsible for their situation.
2: Right. I, it just seemed like they were really shitty business people, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like he's yeah. trying to buy this land around them, which, um, you know, will, would drive up their property value or something. But, like, he wasn't really doing anything wrong. He was just a business oh. guy,
3: yeah, and it, made, it, it added, like, this weird frisson to the film to me because they were sort of bringing in a little It's a Wonderful Life yes. and we were supposed to just automatically be on her side and on the small yeah. farmer side. But then when Baxter is going through all the appropriate means and he's talking to the mayor and he tells her that she's selfish because she only cares about her home, which, yes. yeah, no.
2: Yes, <laughs> like, it's absolutely um, true.
3: <laughs> yes, but it, it started to feel like the film is telling me, Carol... There just aren't villains in real life. <laughs> things happen. Foreclosures happen. People make bad investments.
2: But if you pray, it'll be okay. I think is what yeah. this movie is ultimately about, right? Because well, they really, like, in the scheme of things, they do very little to get out of debt.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and also, like, nothing specifically that they do... Clears the debt, like it's kind of a. They're in a needlessly, from a film perspective, they're in a needlessly complicated situation right. because back then. And then their solution is also needlessly complicated because there's not one have.
2: solution.
3: Right, there's and this, there could be.
2: Yeah, there's this really good, like, good from a movie perspective plan, which is yes. okay. Hey, you know what? You know who's here with us? This really famous country music star. Why don't we have a concert and we can make it a fundraiser and the money can go to the farm? Hey, that's a really good way to end your movie, right? That makes perfect sense. But so they yeah. do this. We don't see the concert, which is amazing and tells you how much how much money they put into this movie. And, wow. like, then we see them her counting up the receipts to see if they made enough money, and then they just shake their heads because they didn't. And you're like, okay, I guess they lost their farm. But then the phone rings, and it's a it's a woman we met earlier who owns a chain of grocery stores who happens to call at just the right time to say – and, again, we don't hear the phone call. We hear the other side of the phone call, which is Shelby saying, oh, that was Mrs. Kroger. She wants to buy our pies. The farm is saved. Okay, How does that and, work?
3: And, and the money will be deposited in the account in two days. Yes. We don't even see them get the money. The movie no. just ends, and the... we'll have to assume that in two days the check clears and everything's fine.
2: Yeah, I mean, I did watch to see if there was an after credit sequence where, like, her going to the bank and smiling. Um, there is not. <laughs> so for all we know, I don't know, there's no Christmas in the Smokies 2. Uh, but, oh. yeah, this movie ends on such a climactic note of... In two days, the farm is going to be saved.
3: Yeah. And, oh, I'm, I'm going to actually look up the specific quote because she has a, a weird linkage of this with um, how this proves to her that Christmas is real.
2: Oh, I don't think I remember this. Well, is this oh. also feed into – because the dad – the whole time Shelby is like, mom, dad, what the fuck are we going to do? We're going to lose our home and business. And the dad yeah. the entire time is like, Jesus, <laughs> <Yes. What> a- <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> manger, Christmas yeah. spirit. And you're like, no, it doesn't work that way. You have to do something about this.
3: Exactly, and they don't really do anything. I, yeah. You know, you did have helped me think that maybe we're supposed to take the, all these things that seem like coincidences, which are just other people helping them out because they feel bad for them. Because
2: they're so inept. Like, you know what, I guess if they were my friends, I would probably also be like, you know what, guys, I'm just going to like, I'm going to go to the bank with you to make sure this works, because I don't think you know how to do this. Because they are not smart people. And
3: they're getting old, mom and dad are getting old I really
2: thought at the very beginning I'm like, oh that must be her grandparents Because they're, maybe it's just I mean granted, if you worked on a farm Your whole life, you probably are um, I mean most, I mean my understanding Most farmers probably do look a good Ten years older than their counterpart Who works in a bank right? Because you're working outside, you're doing manual labor, like, you're eating pie all the time, you're eating bacon every morning for breakfast, like, you're not gonna be Vanna White, most likely. But still, like, the parents seemed very old to me.
3: Yeah. Oh, I found the quote. Um, So it ends with this voiceover of Sarah (gasps) explaining to us that after everything, after the farm is saved by the deposit of the money in the account, (laughs) and... Two days later. ...the Um, She now believes a baby was born in that manger.
2: (laughs) I forgot. Man, I blocked that out. Because because it makes no sense. And and it's even weirder because doesn't she narrate that part, but then she says something, like, at the very end? Like, this part is narrated as it's her dancing with Mason, but then, like, she's like, Merry Christmas to him or something. Where it's like, wait, is she thinking that? Is she writing a book? Is this a dream? What the, What are these choice directorial choices?
3: All the writers just trying to tie together everything that they've done. So they start with the dance contest, so you know they have to dance to show their relationship works. And they right. talked about the manger early, so now they have to talk about the manger now. And just knowing from the historical re- record that there was a historical Jesus regardless of whether he was the messiah <laughs>
2: <He> was <laughs> well no so, because the farm was saved, saved by some, by a combination of weird business decisions that sort of paid off in the end yeah it's sort of yeah, so, oh, no carol have you seen burlesque please tell me you have seen burlesque no i have not <gasps> oh my god Oh, my God. First of all, we should just stop everything. You should go watch Burlesque and then come back. If you turn on Freeform, it's probably on. It's on that channel all the time. Uh, Burlesque is amazing. And one of the greatest things about it, and this is kind of a spoiler, but I think it works because it. if I tell you, it's actually good because then you're not looking forward to something that's not there. So the Burlesque <laughs> Club, the entire movie is in danger of being um of going under and there's this evil developer who wants to buy it and build a big uh apartment complex in the burlesque hall and you think the entire time you're like okay well surely they're going to have a burlesque fundraiser and Sharon Christina Aguilera are going to perform so amazingly that you know they're going to make all this money and they'll never have to sell the burlesque club again no Mm -hmm. instead it ends because Christina Aguilera uh Paid attention to something the evil guy said earlier about uh, land, uh, air rights, and how if you build, right, if you build like, um, you can build a giant apartment, but you might not have the air rights to that space up. Right, because if the apartment next to you, if that building owns the air rights, then you can only go to the fifth floor or something like that. And that's the mm-hmm. finale of the movie. It's oh, There is a burlesque <laughs> number at the end, but like it's not that they save the burlesque club through the titular burlesque. No, they save it from legal speak and air rights. And that's kind of what Christmas and the Smokies reminded me of, but with mm-hmm. le- much less burlesque, obviously.
3: I, it reminded me of like if there were a kung fu movie where there was a dojo for like the kids, because they are always dojos, mm-hmm. even if it's kung fu and not karate, um, in the community center. And the kids were like, oh, no, the evil developers are coming. And they didn't either put on a show or <gasps> yeah. use kung fu to save the center. Right, right. And instead, there was just like, oh, there was some, we're, we've decided to go more existentialist and sort of things just happen. Yeah. And who it... knows if we'll be okay next year.
2: It's disappointing. I mean, again, low budget, I get it, but still. Um, Mm -hmm. So now that everybody knows the story of Christmas in the Smokies, let's dive into the tropes and see if this fits most of the bill. So the first thing is our lead in need of a lesson. So our lead Mm -hmm. is Shelby, played by Sarah Lancaster, who I guess is like a real actress who has done a lot of stuff. Uh, She was in Saved by the Bell, the new class, apparently.
3: I feel like she'd actually be a really good action hero, Yes. She's a little Linda Hamilton vibe She me.
2: does, she, you're right, she has the look She's very tall um, <laughs> She looks like she could You're right, she could be athletic um, mm-hmm. and I mean, obviously gorgeous They're always gorgeous in these movies mm-hmm. What do you think is the lesson That she needs to learn? Aside from business skills 101
3: Well There's the lessons I think She needs to learn mm. And there's the lessons that I think the movie, the movie. thinks she
2: needs to <laughs> Yes learn.
3: And the movie doesn't seem to have any, I couldn't really discern what lesson she was supposed to learn, because it clearly wasn't she was supposed to learn to let people help, which would be a lesson in one of these movies that you could learn.
2: Right, and then because she kind of blatantly, like, at one point, Mason is like, hey, I'll give you, like, here's money I can give you. And she's like, no, no, we're not going to accept his help.
3: Yeah, But, but yeah. like,
2: you have no other choice, lady.
3: Yeah, and it is a lesson to learn in life to accept mm-hmm. help greatly and yep, then like, hopefully help people later on. Yeah. Um, but I, I have a real hard, maybe letting go of grudges.
2: I guess, um, yeah.
3: Or learning to have appropriate levels of grudges.
2: Okay, okay. Now, and, what do you but, think are the lessons she needs to learn?
3: I think those, like I think she needs to have an appropriate level of grudge. Okay. And... Uh, yeah, maybe some business skills. Yeah. I I think that her makeup is fine most of the time. But there was like one part where she was doing all neutrals and I think that was not a good choice.
2: She wears a fair amount of makeup for a farmer.
3: Mm-hmm. And I'm not
2: judging. She, like, hey, when it, if you want to feel feel a certain way on that farm, then go for it. But like, yeah. I feel like if I wore that much, I'm, they would be running all over the place.
3: Yeah. Yeah, she's wearing a fairly heavy foundation And you'd think that she'd start to get stuff in her eyes While she's out there digging holes Right?
2: Yeah, yeah and I'm not crazy about her lipstick choice I will say it's a little too pink for me
3: mm-hmm. I am fascinated by the number of jackets she has And I really enjoyed her.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I like her style Just not the mm-hmm. lipstick, but yeah mm-hmm. Alright, so our setting in this case Is obviously a charming small town Do you, do you know the name of the town? I, it didn't like stick in That's my head at all cool.
3: I have IMDB open right now. I will see very quickly if they have it.
2: Yeah. Like it, and it's one of those weird small towns where like it should be, I think they actually kind of fail in this part because it should Mm -hmm. be like, I should know this town. They have like random locals, quote unquote, where, you know, dad Mm -hmm. goes to breakfast with his gang of guys. And it seems like, Oh, we should recognize these people and they're going to keep showing up. But like, there's no real geography to town. There's no, yeah. you know, we don't really know, like, what the general store is and this and that. It's just sort of random places in town that we're occasionally in.
3: Yeah, and it's really peculiar. Uh, like, a, a lot of those movies, like a lot of the Hallmark movies, I'm fine with that because the, the cinematography is all about the same. Like, it's all it's the same sort of very set dressed world.
2: Right. It's probably but the same they, set from movie to movie.
3: But with this one, Every now and then, the cinematographer is like, let's look at the mountains.
2: Right, right, right. Let's
3: look at this chicken. And you're like, yeah, let's look at that chicken. That's really <laughs> And then we'll go back to the quaint store with the empty boxes. And it's right. like the, the director of photography could not care less.
2: Well, that's the thing. All of the the, the um, interiors kind of just look like warehouses with stuff piled <laughs> in them. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, yeah, they. I mean, they did film in northern Georgia. So you do get shots of the mountains and... All of the exteriors do look really nice. Like, it does look like, oh, that's pretty. Like, this is, I want to watch a movie set in the South at Christmas. Like, this is what I'm seeing. But, yeah, the interiors are just kind of hideous when you think about it.
3: I started to feel like I was watching a Werner Herzog movie.
2: (laughs) And that
3: that somebody had got Werner Herzog, like, he needed money or he got, like, fascinated by these Christmas romances. (laughs) And decided to make one. Oh, and, like, God. half of it is, like, look at these mountains. These mountains are these gorgeous. Mountains. Look at this chicken.
2: He staring <laughs> at the chicken. Does the chicken know <laughs> that love is happening all around him? Or is he just a chicken? Oh, my God. I would pay so much money for a Werner Herzog-directed Christmas movie. <laughs> uh. And then
3: the like, ugh, humans in love. <laughs> right.
2: Let us go back to these chicken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what a world. All right, so number three is our bland love interest, and I think you and I both have things to say about this guy.
3: I believe we agreed that he was kind of Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, yeah.
2: Poor man's Jake Gyllenhaal all the way. Mm. Handsome guy, big blue eyes. Uh, What did you think? Did you find him charming? Did you think much of the actor? I
3: thought he did pretty well with very, very little. Yeah. Um, uh, like, I think he did his best to be charming, but a lot of his charm, it, the film felt like how he looked was enough. Like, yes. we'll just look at it and be like, oh, he's handsome. He looks like Jake Gyllenhaal. That's good <laughs> enough. Oh, look, he's a guitar. Yeah. Oh, Mom likes him.
2: And I guess he is a singer, right? Like, he is, I think, a kind of a, a country singer of some kind. Alan Powell is his name. Maybe you know him if you're a country-western fan. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, he he was, like, I, I think the actor himself actually has, like, a good Likeable presence on screen, Uh, Mm -hmm. but again, like they just didn't know what to do with the character.
3: Yeah, I did find out something interesting about him. Um, This the same year that this was shot. He was in a short (laughs) film called Happy Beltane, and I'm like, is he? Was he like? I'm just going to do all the seasonal religious holiday movies this year? Yeah, (laughs) getting some wicca in.
2: Yeah, I mean, he seems like the kind that should. Yes. All right, number four is the montage, and we have a few. Um, mm-hmm. So, one of the first ones is the very exciting Calling a Bunch of Banks montage. Oh, uh, yeah. Right? It's just shots of her on the phone saying, Oh, okay, I understand. Okay, yeah. sorry, Merry Christmas. And, and that happens. Uh, and then oh. there is the yeah. Getting Ready for the Big Show that we don't see montage. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Yep.
3: We just need to see getting ready.
2: Getting ready. That's that's the more exciting part, I guess, anyway. Uh, number five, dead parents. We do have them not for our lead, but we do find out that Mason's parents are dead.
3: Yes. And that's it. He just says it. Yep. And that's, yep. All can. And
2: that's, that's all we a- Yep. But it's enough. It counts, right? We look for it. It's there. We check it off the list. Uh, number six, the sassy sidekick.
3: Oh yeah, Jill Wagner.
2: This was exciting to me because in as I'm watching the movie, I see Jill Wagner's name in the credits in the opening credits. I'm like, I know that name. And then she shows up as the sidekick. I'm like, "Oh my god, this is adorable because last year I covered a Hallmark movie called Christmas Cookies where she was the lead."
3: And oh. like, I was
2: like, "Oh wow, it's like this was her like practice run and then she got like promoted to a lead after that." So, good for you, Jill Wagner.
3: You know, I, I was I was sad. I felt she was underutilized very because much. I first encountered her when she was one of the hosts for a Wipeout on ah. Agency, I think. One of those obstacle course shows. Okay. Only this okay. one was obviously focused on people wiping out. Nice, and she was very really enjoyable and sassy in that. And I feel like they they had a chance to have some real sass, and they just. Did not go for
2: it. Yeah, she's pretty bland in Christmas Cookies. That's one of the blander Hallmark movies from last year. Um, Mm -hmm. But in this, like, she's good. And again, I think she has, like, two scenes. But she's really, again, like, she has that presence, I believe her. Mm -hmm. Her and Sarah Mm -hmm. Lancaster actually have, like, really nice friend chemistry where I could have watched a movie where the two of them, like, go shopping and rob banks, and I would have been much more entertained.
3: Oh, gosh.
2: Yeah. Uh, so number seven, our evil woman or an evil boss character? It is not not quite that, but it is. We do have an evil land developer.
3: He has a bear cane too. He
2: does. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I mean, as all evil land developers do. And he doesn't really get comeuppance, <laughs> but we're sure he's like waving that bear cane in anger at the end.
3: Oh. I'm going to have to go somewhere else and develop the tourist attraction. Ah,
2: I'm going to have to bring all of this money into another striving, struggling town. Oh, woe is me. Or just Tennessee, to
3: Tennessee I
2: go. Year.
3: Oh, <laughs> yeah. and I'll have to wait another year when they collapse again.
2: <laughs> yeah, right? Because, I mean, clearly they're going to just keep fucking up. Like, they don't really have a long-term plan. They have a new customer. You can't put all your eggs in one customer. That's very bad for business. Yeah. All right, yeah. now we And, like... Also, come to think of it, like, these people are responsible for food products, which worries me, because I feel mm-hmm. like, I don't know, like, jam is, like, I watched a Murder, She Wrote episode where um, jam killed people with botulism. Like, it mm-hmm. is not a food that you can just, like, put, in a, like, you have to be pretty sterile about it, and I don't know that yeah. I trust these old people. <laughs> I hope they're short.
3: Well, chured. they are putting cheesecloth over the top of it. It's very charming and quaint.
2: Yes, and, like... How many jars does this old woman can a day?
3: I don't know. Get back to work, Mom. Yeah. That's what do. Shelby...
2: I bet she's actually, like, 42 years old, and it's just that they've <laughs> aged that much because it is that hard to do the amount of work they do on that giant farm.
3: Well, like, oh, Shelby because she's actually 20, so it was only four years <laughs> exactly. ago. Exactly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, number eight is slapstick.
3: Um, no. This, yeah I this doesn't
2: remember. do the thing like, Surprisingly because so many of these movies Just rely on like the dumb Fall and everything this doesn't really Do that like it's more you know You have um, Like some farm humor where you Have a rooster crowing at 5am But we don't get like the token Stupid whoops I slipped in dog poop Kind of thing so uh, credit To yes Mo- uh, Christmas in the Smokies Number Nine <laughs> Here's which really has come to be my second favorite after Dead Parents. Number nine is the sage old person.
3: Mm, I guess her dad.
2: Well, obviously,
3: (laughs) he does tell her like it's only baggage if you carry it with you. Oh
2: yes, oh yes. Um, And I feel like there was another. He also like just kind of constantly keeps saying things like everything will work out. Like that's Mm -hmm. his advice. His wisdom is don't ever worry about anything because Jesus. Yes, and Dad is played by Barry Corbin, who you would recognize. He's been in a thousand things. I would say he's kind of um, like the poor man's Wilfred Brimley, maybe.
3: Yeah, I was gonna say he's moving from Maurice and Northern Exposure to the Wilfred Brim, yes. the new Wilfred yep. Brimley career.
2: And I mean, he is. I don't know that he's like really that good. And th- I feel like he's the thing that would please a lot of. Um, <laughs> a lot of people who watch these movies, right? Like the audience yeah. this movie is made for, I think yeah. that audience would really get a kick out of him, right? Yeah, because he's I got quite a-, a sassy. Mm-hmm.
3: I-, I got the strong sense that these actors were left to their own devices a lot, and yes. the most clear example of that to me is when they're gathered around on the porch, hearing the recounting of the exciting phone call, yeah. and he goes to put his arm around his wife. And his daughter, and his daughter actively moves away from him. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, oh, the director didn't tell you to do that. Yeah. Nobody was prepared for
2: it. That is very possible. He also, like, throughout the movie, is kind of creepy in how much he's pushing Mason on his daughter.
3: Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's like, deeply uncool.
2: Yeah, like, I'm always kind of, you know. Unsettled by movies where, like, the parents are overly involved in their child's uh, romantic life, but in this Mm -hmm. one, like, he's very like he is constantly trying to get these two back together when obviously his daughter really doesn't want anything to do with him, and yet he's He's just like, yeah, really pushing it in a way that's kind of uncomfortable at times.
3: Yeah, well, didn't he? Um, wasn't he the one that invited Wade to come over and not only have dinner but live with like
2: and live with them? Yes, I'm just picturing like. If my dad invited my ex-boyfriend over to live in the basement, I think I would be justified in being really angry about that,
3: right? Yes. Yeah. I, and I, I was thinking, I think my mom would punch my dad Yeah. and instead... Like, oh well, this is fine, dear. And then she has a conversation with, like, you better not hurt my daughter, or yes, I'll cut privately. Yes. But that's later on.
2: Yeah. So we do get kind of the reverse, which is almost kind of nice that it's not like the the you know stern farmer dad being like, you know, if you hurt her, I'll kill you. Instead, it's kind of the mom who's this very, um, what's the word? Kind of like very gentle, very like easygoing woman. But she does. She is the one who has the scene to say, "You hurt my daughter. Don't you do it again?" So. Yeah. Credit to you, Christmas and the Smokies.
3: Twisting how did you feel about the... Excuse me, I'm sorry. Oh,
2: please. H-
3: how did you feel about her festive shirts?
2: They were exactly how I would expect her to dress, so I approve. <laughs> Absolutely approved of how she dressed.
3: Denim, big applique, bells. Oh, yes. Yep, yep. And then,
2: like, uh,
3: uh, fabric, um button work.
2: I like to think that she got it, or I don't know if she got it, or that the costume designer bought that at a Cracker Barrel. (laughs) Right? Like, from the Cracker Barrel catalog, yeah. the Seasonal seasonal Miss catalog, something like that. Yeah. Number ten is Santa Claus, and while we don't have a real Santa Claus, although we kind of do, because um, inexplicably everything works out and characters are given what they wanted, uh, we do also have the dad playing Santa Claus at one point, Mm -hmm. so.
3: Yeah. And wearing wearing a stetson while he does it.
2: Well, naturally, it is the South. That's how that's how it goes. <laughs> yeah. um, now, public domain, or I'm sorry, the bonus round, which we start with public domain holiday songs. I don't know. Like, were there any in this movie? Did you catch any?
3: Um, they played the same two. Yeah. All the time.
2: <laughs> they played they so
3: made, many. I don't remember what they were now. Like, they did bluegrass arrangements of them. Yeah. Well, they and had then- Silent
2: Night. They had O Come Faithful. Um. They also, this one kind of gets extra bonus points, because not only did they use public domain Christmas songs, but they also had some other public domain, non-Christmas, but Southern faith-based songs. Mm -hmm. Because you had Amazing Grace uh, and Go Tell It on a Mountain. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very south. And the other great thing we had was how many times characters would talk about music that is not Mm -hmm. public domain, as if we were hearing it. Because at one point, there's a radio DJ who's like, that was Bing Crosby, Crosby and David Bowie. And now here's an interview. And you're like, wait, we didn't hear that. And then at one point there, he's interviewing Mason on air. And Mason's just like, my favorite songs and artists are Elvis, Blue Christmas. And he just goes through a list. And you don't hear any of those songs in the movie. Oh, yeah.
3: yeah. And uh, he talked about, it, and we were supposed to be surprised. That he liked being Crosby and David Bowie singing together. <laughs> he's, he's edgy,
2: very much, very much for for Northern Georgia. Hell yes, um, <laughs> I do. There is a very important scene that we need to talk about uh, that yeah. involves public domain because they use the Nutcracker music for it. And yeah. this is the, the as much as this is like again TVG, like it's pretty tame. Um, there is a scene in which an, a waitress has an orgasm while serving. Mason right <laughs> Would you describe the scene for everybody because it's kind of amazing? Um,
3: well, Mason has been roped into having breakfast at the diner with the old with the old guys like um, I forgot his name already Barry Corbins good And uh, he is served by a starstruck waitress who cannot stop very salaciously while staring him directly in the eyes different options for what was it it's like well, it was everything it was
2: you had the smoky mountain breakfast so it was how do you want your, your eggs and he's like ah oh, fried yeah. ha and do you want <laughs> blueberries or peaches raspberries or or she and like with peach too oh my god it's yeah it's really uncomfortable <laughs> Like, cause it just goes on and it goes on and on and on.
3: Yeah. That was fabulous. Like I wish she were the main character and there was like some angry business guy who was also the developer who was like, (laughs) if you don't marry me, um, I'm going to sell your farm to Yankees. And and sure. I'm going to make
2: this waitress be your servant and you're never going to get anything done. She's she's just going to keep coming all the time.
3: Yeah, but she was delightful.
2: Yeah, it was it was this weird off like and it, you almost wondered if this is a movie where they had to really scramble for running length cuz it feels very tonally out of place in the movie. Where I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of realized, like, you know, we're a few minutes short. What else could we still add in here? How about a scene where a waitress has an orgasm while serving Mason? Like, why not? Yeah.
3: And, and uh, um, his potential future father-in-law and all his father potential future father-in-law's friends laugh at him. Yeah.
2: It's <laughs> it's very strange. Uh, and kind yeah. of worthwhile. Like, if you watch this movie for one reason, it may be that.
3: Yeah. I think the second reason to watch it is the lovingly photographed chickens.
2: Yes, there are a lot of chickens uh, and roosters. Don't forget the roosters.
3: Rooster. Uh, yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, now, the next one is product placement, which I don't think we get anything specific other than like Smoky Mountains, right?
3: And the musicians.
2: Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Although, you know, having said Smoky Mountains, this movie also tries really hard to make you feel bad about being a tourist. So I don't know what they're really selling.
3: <laughs> yeah. Now, there's... Uh, nothing can change because Shelby needs it to stay the way it is forever.
2: Exactly. So now when I go to visit the Smoky Mountains, where am I going to stay? Like, is Shelby also turning her farm into an Airbnb? I don't know. don't know. Maybe
3: she'll try to run you down with your truck because you don't belong there.
2: That's true. I wouldn't be surprised if she does.
3: <sighs> but mean, it'll be faster because she has a wreath on the front of her truck.
2: Tr- well, yeah. she is- And she has a tape deck. Don't forget. <laughs> which, again, shows how this woman is living a little bit in the past, who yeah. still has a tape deck, and listens to it. And, again, if you have a tape deck, I'm not judging you. But it's not probably because you've never, like, changed your car or way of life. It's, you know, anyway. Mm-hmm.
3: You're, uh, You're uh, yeah. seventeen.
2: Uh You're 17. the next thing is the cloying child. We get a couple of, like, sick hospital kids, which is kind of like... <laughs> Grating a little bit like they're they're not really the movie thinks they're really cute and Charming and I guess they're supposed to be sick um but it's also such a blatant kind of uh oh She's a good person because she volunteers at the hospital kind of grab yeah so yeah yeah. uh no ice Skating which we can say like oh because it's you know the south and it's hot except the movie also Pretends that it's not hot so you know there's that Mm -hmm. Uh, no Canadianisms because obviously we didn't film in Canada. We actually filmed on location in Georgia.
3: Um, and they're one, of them. Yeah. On uh, one hand would like some Canadianisms. On yes. the other hand, glad they're filming in Georgia.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, it, it it is fitting. That doesn't mean everybody's accent is on par, right? I think Sarah Lancaster's. <laughs> I don't really know. I mean, for somebody who never left the town of Georgia that she was born in, uh, I feel like she <laughs> should have had a stronger accent. But what can you do?
3: Yeah, uh, yeah and Billy Coben is not paid enough to get rid of taxes. Nope. So. Nope.
2: I mean, it's also like, you know, granted, like I, I know the South not very well, but like my husband's from Kentucky. I've been to that area, West Virginia a lot. To me, like I never thought Barry Corbin didn't sound like he was from Georgia. Mm-hmm, <laughs> so like yeah. I think it's just like eh, any any accent south of, let's say, Missouri is going to sound like a Southern accent no matter who you are.
3: Well, maybe he moved there to start his berry farm. Oh,
2: very possible.
3: Mm hmm.
2: Now, character with a Christmas name, I guess we don't really get one, but I mean, we do get the name Haygood, which is just great in itself.
3: Yeah. And who knows what Mrs. Kroger's real name is.
2: True, true. We also, um, I mean, Shelby's, Shelby's name being Shelby means two things. One... To me, the entire time I'm just comparing this movie to Steel Magnolias*, and it's not not rising to the level. The other thing mm-hmm. is that um, ma- her nickname was Shelby Bell, so you know that's mm-hmm. kind of Christmasy in its own way. Yeah. Uh, Christmas tree lighting—we don't really get right.
3: We get the the wooden Christmas tree. Right. That oh has their, my I god! That has yes. Yes. she rams. She rams it down. She and she's angry.
2: Yeah, and that seemed kind of like a like a family heirloom thingy. So mm-hmm. you know, okay, okay, Shelby Bell, calm yourself.
3: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, take care of, figure out your anger issues. Yeah,
2: and then for karaoke, uh, karaoke is the the last new bonus round that I've added because it keeps coming up in these movies. I mean, in a way, it kind of comes up because you have a lot of like random characters singing when they didn't have to sing. Yes. So I'm going to say it kind of counts. Mm-hmm. Um, And then for now IMDB didn't have any great reviews But I did find a pretty good one on Amazon From Ladybug5 Who gives this movie 5 out of 5 stars uh, And I'm just going to read you a little bit Of this review because I think it really does speak To what we've kind of said about this movie The title of her review is A family and community movie I'm sorry A family and community movie That shines like Jesus Christ Oh, my God. Um, And so she goes on to write, let me see... Uh, as a Christian woman who is a big fan of Hallmark movies I always look for clean movies that inspire me this one showed a family praying over their supper a mom and dad putting their struggles in the hand of God and a young man unafraid to speak and sing the name of Jesus Christ no shame or pretension here fans of Alan Powell will enjoy his sweet spirit and lovely singing voice and musical skills as well this is a good family film that will open a door for questions that can lead to a great discussion about faith community and the power of prayer and most Most importantly forgiveness and reconciliation and some much needed humility be blessed Merry Christmas and enjoy smiley face
3: I'm glad she enjoyed it so much
2: right and (laughs) it's one of this is one of those movies where at a certain point you sit back you're like well it made this lady this movie did its job right it made somebody like that happy yes yeah and so now do you feel richer for having watched this movie
3: um. Mm, yeah. I'm going to, have to say no. Mm-hmm. Uh, but- I, I might become richer later on as I sit with it.
2: Sure. Yeah, it might grow on you, like like a it fine might- Werner Herzog movie.
3: But, uh, and perhaps I do need to meditate more on how there are no villains in real life, Ooh, and and that. things just kind of happen.
2: Yeah. And now Um, for you and your experience with these kinds of movies, I know we didn't talk about how many you've watched. Where does this sit for you in the realm of these kinds of movies in your experience towards the top, towards the bottom?
3: um, I wouldn't say it's towards the bottom. I I feel like it really needs to be tightened up in some ways. Mm -hmm. And I wonder more and more because I really get the impression that the people who wrote it are not, the audience who's appreciating it. Ooh, yeah. Um, and so now I'm wondering if they received notes that made them cut certain kinds of things out, because that would explain why the diner waitress is still there, because that yes. got passed.
2: Yes, yes, that's a good people. point.
3: Um, but it, it really feels uh, needlessly complicated to me. I feel like they could have Mr. Baxter or his family, perhaps his father, be responsible for the farm somehow, or... Sure or the grocery lady or the concert helping out you know not both and
2: yeah it's it's put together weirdly and it makes it very unsatisfying i think for that
3: but it's also made me appreciate the structure of in particular the hallmark movies like when you see like i don't know firehouse christmas or something like that <laughs> you know you're going to see a firehouse you know you're going to see firemen <laughs> you know, you're going to see some Christmas stuff. You can look at the poster and the things you see on the poster are going to happen, whether it's like sure. an angry man on a cell phone mm-hmm. or, um, uh, there's a little adorable child who's going to be filled with shenanigans and then a family will be formed at the end. But with this one, like even the poster is a little off. There's a part where he's holding, um, a picture of, uh, Wade holding mistletoe over Shelby's head. But mm-hmm. because this, becomes such a clean movie, they never kiss as i remember
2: no i think you're right and even like there's this ongoing kind of um uh n- not not red herring or what's the word for like when you have a something that you think is going to pay off and it never does right because the mm. mistletoe all in the beginning of the movie right they keep almost hanging the mistletoe and shelby's yeah. like don't even try it but you're right it never <laughs> comes back
3: no no
2: yeah, everybody and looks I so sassy on the movie poster, too.
3: Yeah, don't they? I was just looking at it again.
2: Yeah, like, everybody's arms are crossed, and they're, like, have this little smirk on their faces, and the town oh. mayor is on the poster for some reason, even though he gets very little to do.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think they're like, oh, look, we have some African-American <laughs> exactly. actors.
2: Be well, what can friend. we do? Oh, can we reach any new audience? Wait, there's a black guy. Put him on the cover. Yeah, but he has one <laughs> scene. It doesn't matter. He's in the movie. Yeah.
3: <laughs> they should have put Mrs. Kroger on the cover, too.
2: Exactly. Ah, missed opportunity throughout this movie. Um, I enjoyed it, I think, comparatively this year. um, Again, I feel like Hallmark has really been... Uh, Slow for me The Hallmark movies have been very bland Whereas all the sort of cheaper made Non-Hallmark ones At least have some kind of personality to them And Mm -hmm. this one I think has two things going for it One is that it is Filmed on location It does look pretty whenever they're outside Like It gives it a (laughs) little more personality Just to look at And then the other thing and it it's the exact thing, it's the thing we're saying Of why this movie isn't good Is why it's also entertaining Is that it's just not put mm-hmm. together the way a movie should be put together And it's kind of yeah. fascinating for that
3: Yeah, yeah well, I feel like it's made Like, I think about it I think about, like, what is going on with this movie In a way yeah. that, like, a lot of The other movies I wouldn't
2: Right, like, you I don't understand why they made choices And why they didn't make the very obvious choices Whether it was deliberate yeah. or just oversight
3: Yeah Yeah, and and I, I start to wonder things like, did this start out as it's not only another movie that had more recognizable romantic elements in it mm-hmm. or recognizable Christmas elements in it, but another movie entirely? Like, was this some guy's, like, I'm going to make a movie like Badlands, but I'm going to set it yes. in the Smokies, and it's going to yes. be this woman like trying to save her farm, and then the only way he can get it made is through, like, a magicom and... He has to turn it into a romance, and he gets his revenge by, like, but look at the mountains.
2: <laughs> Chickens! The chick- Chickens! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do like that idea that this started as, like, leaving Las Vegas and just kept morphing. And the idea of, like, look, that's the life of a screenwriter, right? You write something, it doesn't become anything of what you wrote, but you get to say, yeah. that you get your name on the on the very highly Photoshop poster.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh And maybe you've made money and maybe you get to make something else now.
2: Yeah. You can dream. Oh, hey. Well, it was a good time. Uh, For those of you who want to watch it, it's on Netflix. And again, Netflix has become very stingy with their Christmas movies because now that they're making their own, uh, there aren't that many like this available on Netflix anymore. There used to be a bunch. Uh, Now most of those are on Hallmark or Lifetime and their respective apps and respective streaming services. So if you're looking for a non-Netflix Christmas movie on Netflix, this is a movie. I don't know if it's meant to be a good one, but it's there. (laughs) <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us, and everybody should be sure to check out the Cultural Gutter and all the other links that we put in the show notes when I remember to do that. So I hope you had a lovely time, Carol.
3: I did. Thank you so much for inviting me.
2: It was a pleasure. Uh, on that note, to the people, now you're going to hear some kind of good down-home, probably Dolly Parton country song about Christmas. Enjoy. Yeah.
0: Stop!